HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Cutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's May 19th, 2015. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Thanks to our sponsors, Union Beer Distributor, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We've got a couple that was on the Brew Dogs TV show. They got back from China. And uh, we've got our wingman, Justin Kennedy, in tonight. Hey, Jimmy, how so, you doing? So, Justin, what's going on with the show? Uh, not too much. I'm just coming back from a short hiatus uh just had a daughter a few weeks ago, so took some time off, and uh, now coming back to see what's going on. Well, well we missed you, and uh, you, you booked a really great show for tonight. Well, thanks. Um, and it's so funny. It's, it's, it's Erica and Steven from Brooklyn Brew Shop. That's the surprise. Hey. But um, it's so great to see you guys. We, we had John way in the beginning when you started, but um, you, you, you have a book out that you never sent me. No, I know. Uh, we sent you the first one before it even came out, tried to get you to read it. In advance, um, and then forgot to send you the second. Well, what kind of publicist do you have? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's just sitting over there. <laughs> well, you got a good team. So this is Brooklyn Brew Shop. Why don't you summarize everything from from beginning to end for our listeners? So I know I know you guys started in Brooklyn, and um, just tell us how you got started and, and some new things going on. Sure. Yeah. So the origin story, I suppose, for anyone who's not familiar, uh, we started in 2009 out of the Brooklyn Flea, pretty much with the idea to make uh, beer and brewing feel more like food and cooking. So to kind of take the science out of uh, brewing, uh, make it feel just like something you do in your kitchen. So we, um, yeah, we took the like brewing process, scaled it down to one gallon, which made it easy to use all green. Uh, so the same stuff that you'd find in your favorite craft brewery. And uh, yeah, so you can just do it right on your stovetop. Yeah, and since uh, we're about to turn six in July, but since then we've expanded nationally and we're now found in 26 different countries. So we're teaching people how to brew beer around the world, which is really amazing. That's great. And what's different about your kit than, than other kits we might find in like a supermarket or something? Sure, yeah. Um, so our kits use grain, so we don't use extracts, we don't use sugar powders. Um, it's uh, pretty much the uh, the best part about brewing, uh, as opposed to let's say wine making, where the the key to making really good wine is to go back in time and plant grapes on the perfect hill. Uh, let's say fifty years back in time. Uh, with with brewing, it's really about what you're doing with your hands, and if you have good ingredients, then you can make a good product. Tell you what, I, I love is that there's so many niches in the craft beer world. You know, there's that guy with the mobile canning unit, and you guys have the. You know, your, your, your home batch. Do you think that your kit is, is a way that a lot of people first make beer, or, or do they think they've tried beer first and are ready for a, a better way to do it? Both. It's um, been really amazing. We've had customers that started brewing with our kit and then quit their jobs or dropped out of law school. I'm sure their parents are thrilled and then started working at breweries and opening up their own breweries. Uh, so this kind of spiraled them into deep into the world of craft beer um, but we also have people that brewed 20 years ago gave up their equipment when they got married had families and now they're getting back into brewing on the small scale and are so excited about it 
Well, I, I love that, man. I love that you're doing this. Justin, when did you first meet these guys? Uh, I actually just first met them, I think, the other day at Three's Brewing on Sunday, two days ago. I was uh, there with my daughter. It was her first brewery trip and uh, with uh, my friend Josh Bernstein and his daughter. And he said, oh, Eric and Steven are out in the courtyard. And I said, oh, they're on the show on Tuesday. I should go meet them. And I uh, went out there and met them. But I've actually uh, been to their house one time before that uh, for a brew dogs filming <laughs> back in the winter. Um, so maybe you guys could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, so we uh, met up with uh, James Martin of BrewDog. They asked us, um, kind of happened at the same time, independently of each other, which was crazy, but uh, they asked us if we, A, wanted to make a kit out of one of their beers, and their TV production company asked us if we wanted to be the featured brewers on their uh, Brooklyn episode of BrewDogs. Uh, so we said yes to on both fronts, and we... Um, they basically they wanted to make the ultimate big apple beer, so uh, I think we brought a few bottles of that too. We can we can open that up in a bit, but uh, they wanted to make the ultimate big apple beer. So we kind of brainstormed and figured out what kind of that would be. So we made a uh, really big Belgian strong ale with uh, apples and kind of every step of the process. So there was applesauce in the mash. There was ap- there were um, like torched apples in the boil. There were uh, applejack soaked oak chips in the fermenter, and um, it was a wow, big, lots like, of apples. Stuff. Yeah, lots of apples <laughs> that uh, they call it the. Big, I don't know the if I apple. want to try that. <laughs> we had we had this beer in from Beavertown in London, and it's called Appellation. It's an apple saison, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't think most people can imagine what putting apples in a beer is like. You know, what what does yours taste like? Is it because it's not like cider? No, no, uh, apples are strange because in some ways the way they taste could kind of be construed as an off flavor same with pears but yeah. if you um i think i think we kind of did, did a good job of it um and uh so it's uh, still pretty should still be pretty balanced and uh, one thing i was liked about you guys you, you, you know you're, you're walking the, the talk is that what they say walking the talk talking the talking the walk. walking talking the <laughs> talk walking the walk because you, you you're selling a beer kit but you also you, you make beer and you test out all these recipes right yeah, we test the recipes. We compete on recipes. Um, we really take a lot of inspiration from food menus, markets, and uh, in our travels, kind of the beers that we're coming across and the different uh, cocktails and food recipes and local ingredients that we think, how could you add this into a beer? I think this beer was served uh, on your rooftop with... Uh, a smoked egg yolk, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wiley Dufresne. Yeah, um, speaking of food and beer, <laughs> literally had some food inside the beer. And that was that was a total surprise to us. Uh, a lot of uh, the f- really fun part of being involved in this episode is what we knew about and then what we didn't. And oh, so, the TV show. Yeah, on yeah. the yeah, TV show. Yeah, so Wiley Dufresne of... Uh, in- of now of Alder, uh, he collaborated and made a smoked uh, quail's egg, and then actually added it to the beer uh, that we tasted on our rooftop, where we actually also made the beer uh, for the for the show. We turned our entire building into a brew system, so we had hot water heating up on the roof. From there, we threw tubing off the roof uh, into the fifth floor, where we did the mash in someone random person's apartment. <laughs> I think our, one of our neighbors that we we learned. Uh, and then did, tubing, when you did the show, did they have money for you to do that stuff, or you just did it for? The they show? they did it. They had like a whole army of uh, engineers and uh, random. Well, People running, I thought we were going to get out. kicked out of our apartment. I <laughs> yeah. was like, you did clear this with the building. Like, we, had, this is- we had drone quadcopters on the roof. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty astonishing. Uh, and then ultimately the beer fermented in our in our basement right next to our bikes. What was the first beer that we drank? Uh, the first beer was uh, Summer Wheat. So we're kicking, kicking off the uh, warmer weather. Uh, which we're now graced with. Yeah, so that one really light, refreshing, uh, a great base to add in fruit and different herbs. Um, We often tell people how they can improvise and make their recipes their own, uh, and that's a great base beer to do that with. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum is this big apple beer, which is super boozy, super apple-y, kind of like Applejack in your mouth. Um, So you guys, Steve, there's... So you brought lots of people. So Steve, introduce yourself. So Steve works with you guys at Brooklyn Brew Shop. Hey, how's it going? Steve. What's your last name, Steve? Steve Volano. Yeah, and you're smiling all the time. Yeah. What do you think of this I'm, Big Apple beer? I love the Big Apple beer. I'm amazed it's actually, what is it, over 10% alcohol, and it's so smooth. You got a lot of the apple flavor without overwhelming, you know, the beer flavors that you love in a beer of that size. I think it's just perfect. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, it's great. Um, 
I gotta admit though, uh, on the rooftop with the egg, I, I have an aversion to one food in the entire world, and that food is eggs. <laughs> and so I couldn't really drink it on the rooftop that Me night. Too. It's yeah. much better right now without and, the egg. <laughs> and uh, a little glimpse behind the TV magic. Uh, you know, we were, we were standing up there for quite a while, and we all had the uh, beer and uh, the egg in our cup while we kind of did a few a few takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably by the time we all got to try the beer and the and the egg together, it was uh, not uh, going to be the most pleasant. Uh, <laughs> That's it still tasted great, but... Was uh, that just a quirky <laughs> Wiley Dufresne thing? Because he's like a creative chef. Or was that actually a he traditional recipe? Yeah. I don't necessarily think there's anything traditional about it. Well, there's uh, the idea of cracking an egg into uh, like a Newcastle. I've seen that on like the the Who movie. Uh, uh, what's the guy? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, one of the old like seventies uh, Who movies, Quadrophenia. That's what it's called. Yeah, it's like and a the, it's like a breakfast drink. Uh, yeah, it's Newcastle, like a, and, a workers. Yeah, a workers breakfast. I guess it's a hearty a hearty breakfast. So. Well, that's cool. But definitely, Wiley Dufresne. That's that was a pretty cool episode, then, right? Oh yeah, Working it with a, him. It was a pretty, pretty incredible, uh, pretty incredible filming. Uh, those guys are a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I remember we, we had them on on the show when, when they were yeah, about a year first, ago, two years right ago, when their, sh- their show was coming out. Yeah. I mean, what are they like? Are they, are they wacky? Are they, are they cool to hang out with? Are they jerks? Uh. They're great. They're great. I mean, we had never met them before, and when a lot of what you get from the public persona and the stuffing beer in uh, taxidermied animals makes you kind of wonder like are these guys crazy but they're super super nice super smart and so into beer and what they craft and they were incredible but still still funny and still like definitely trying to pull things over on you left and right did, did it help you sell more more beer kits being on the show uh yeah i mean we we love we love TV. <laughs> we love Viego TV, whatever possible. Um, and it, it, it did a lot uh, for us. It was, it was no, great. I'm really, I'm really psyched for you. It was pretty cool you, you guys were on that episode. And then in terms of like beer stuff, so you're, you're selling beer kits, you know. We all, we all sell different things. I mean, wh- what's it like? Is, is it peak at Christmas? Are there certain seasons? You know, are, are you... Yeah, there's... You're also doing grains and hops. So you're like, you know, going through all this crazy amount of ingredients. It's just it's like Tell us like the day in the life of... You having a beer kit business? Yeah, so we um we don't sell beer; we sell the promise of it, and so that's kind of the first step is te- teaching people. Oh, you know, you want to actually make your own beer, and so it's introducing them to good beer, and then the idea that they can make good beer themselves. Um, which once you brew your first batch, you're pretty much hooked. You're you're drinking, you're brewing a lot, uh, and then you kind of want to introduce your friends. So we do sell a lot as gifts around the holidays. Um, Christmas, Father's Day are great times, but then we have people that come back week after week for different seasonal mixes to keep brewing year-round. Yeah, and it's, it's quite common when we, like the first question, because we started out of the Brooklyn Flea and we do the Union Square Holiday Market every year, and we always ask people, what kind of beer do you like? And from there, we kind of try to pair them with the right beer that they should make themselves. So we get people that say, like, I like Corona. And then, like, the first response is not to say, well, you know, you're wrong. Like, that's, <laughs> did you know that's not a good beer? Like, we don't want people to feel, feel silly or stupid uh, because they like something, and that, that's perfectly acceptable. So we might say, like, well, do you like to put lime in your beer? Because uh, then you might be into like the citrus aspect. So then we say maybe you should try like a, a grapefruit honey ale. Uh, so it's going to be really light, really citrusy. And then they, they'll pick it up. And we've actually had people come back. And a month later they say, hey, I just had this beer. Uh, it's called, let me see, what's it called? What's it called? Uh, Six Point. Have you ever had it? And we're like, yeah, that, that's, uh, they're great. And it's uh, it's really cool seeing how people come to craft beer. And it might be because they made it themselves and the first craft beer someone might drink is one that they actually made and it's um it's never it, it wasn't necessarily what we expected uh from the start but it's always fantastic to so, see so what's what's in your kit so the kit has all the equipment and the ingredients for your first batch of beer so um glass fermenter uh, thermometer racking cane tubing sanitizer um barley hops and yeast there's no pot so you have to have no a pot. pot. So we assume that you have a kitchen. Uh, so a strainer, pot, and funnel. So if you if you have that, you're good to go. Pretty much if you can make pasta, then you have all the equipment you need. Yeah, and the kit's $40. Um, we wanted to set a really low entry point so that people could get into it and not have to put down $150 for something that they might only do once. And we know that once you drink your own beer, you're going to keep doing it, which is exciting. 
but the kit's entirely reusable, and then the refill mixes are $15 after that, and we change them up all the time. Well, that's cool. So if someone wants to scale up, they make that batch, they really like it, they want to make a bigger batch, do you have instructions for how to do that? Or? We do. Um, yeah. Both our books, uh, Brooklyn Brew Shop's beer making book, um, which came out a couple of years ago, and then our newest uh, Make Some Beer Small Batch Recipes from Brooklyn to Bamberg have all our recipes in both one- and five-gallon scales. And then if you brew even more than that, you can just double the recipe. Yeah, And, yeah, uh, a, we're also coming out with five-gallon kits. Uh, we haven't told anyone, but... Uh, here's here on the radio <laughs> so yeah uh stay tuned in the next uh next month and, then, so. and where are you guys so you, are you bringing in like you know bags of of grains and, and oh truckloads like yeah truckloads of grain uh yeah, <laughs> at, at a time uh it's pretty incredible uh what started um in like in our homes pretty much with a little with a little scoop uh has now you know become trucks going con- like shipping containers and trucks uh on quite a scale that we never and then really, what, you, you, you uh, take understood. the big bags and you break them down into the kit size mm-hmm. exactly yeah so all of our mixes um because the mash is our favorite part of brewing uh, it's really where you create like the the underpinning of the beer that you're going to make um it kind of decides what your canvas from there on uh, so that's why, like all of our grain blends, have like th- at least three to five types of malted barley. So you're gonna have your base malt, you're gonna have your caramel malts, your roasted malts if, if it's a darker beer. And um, so yeah, that's cool. And you have some uh, collaborations, like you have the Punk IPA from Brewdog, and uh, I think that's and they have Evil like Twin uh, bikini seventeen uh, children underage working for you. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tell me, like you you got to sort these. This is like quite. It's like. Is this considered industry or is this considered manufacturing? Yeah, Yeah. we're a manufacturer. (laughs) And uh, one of the parts that we like the most is that we do manufacture this in the U.S. We use U.S. ingredients. It's American-grown hops. It's American-grown wheat and barley for the most part, unless we're trying to do a specific German-style beer or Belgian-style beer, and then we'll switch up the ingredients. But we're really supporting a lot of American agriculture um, and American workers. Our staff is still small, but uh, we've doubled since last year, and we're now like 13 people in the office, which is pretty exciting. Oh, that's cool. And we drink a lot of beer there as well. That's great. We're going to take a short break. We'll come back and talk more about your trip to China, too, on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, congratulations. Heritage Radio Network uh, reached their Kickstarter goal last week. They had a nice party in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Great job, Jack Inslee and Aaron Fairbanks and Allison Hamlin. Great team. We love being on this network. I think there's over 40 shows now. It's pretty cool. And uh, Erica and Steven, how many times have you guys been on the show with the Brooklyn Brew, Brew Kids? Brew Shop. We were, we were on the way over. We were trying to figure out if it's three or four. Um, there was one cancellation because of a snowstorm. That so. snow day, that never really happened this winter. So. Oh, yeah. That, I hated that <laughs> so That was earlier this year. I think. As, as we I'm very sure. rarely cancel a show. Yeah, we, cl- we closed our office, and then we're like, everyone could have come in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Je- so, Justin, you, you were asking them. So you guys are on the Brew Dog. TV show. What was the question you had? Well, one question I had was how they partner with, uh, you know, Evil Twin and uh, Brewdog for these like kind of branded kits. Like, I've had bikini beer before, and now I can 
get to buy your kit and make it at home. Um, what is the process of you know partnering with these cool breweries? Absolutely. Um, from the start, we really felt it was very important to create our own recipes. We were really proud of them, and it was the most fun for us. Uh, and we never wanted to do like clone clone brews um and so it was really kind of a change and an exciting change when we got approached by a couple breweries that were like we like your kits we like what you're doing we like that it's all grain would you be interested in this and we're like we love your beers yeah we're that's that's a great idea and so uh the first we partnered with brooklyn brewery a couple years ago and did a couple of steve hindi's recipes that he had handed off to garrett oliver when he first started the brewery Mm -hmm. um but then the evil twin Bikini Beer Kit came out of uh, the second book, Make Some Beer, Small Batch Recipes from Brooklyn to Bamberg, uh, when we sat down with the Epe uh, to interview him because we really, really love Evil Twin and love everything he's doing. And he gave us a recipe to include it in the book, which is not Bikini Beer because uh, it's a really high alcohol stout and we were coming out with this in the summer and so it was like bikini beer is the best and so it was really fantastic to take not only the recipe and the actual brew sheet from a large commercial brewery to scale down to a one gallon home batch, but also to kind of incorporate all of the evil twin design and that aesthetic into our box. So the, the design on the boxes is really super cool as well. Yeah. I will say, I think that this book is pretty amazing because it's, it's almost like the survey of what's going on in craft beer. I noticed you had a recipe from Ron Pattinson, the, the English blog writer. How, how did you come across that? Uh, for that, we were featuring uh, Pretty Things up out of uh, Somerville, Mass., and we wanted to kind of do a big survey of, um, of yeah, as you said, what's, what's happening in craft beer today. And one of the things that we thought was really interesting was the rise of historical recreation beers. And uh, Pretty Things does a series uh, of called Once Upon a Time Beers. And for those, they primarily partner with Ron Pattinson. So he recommended a 1945 mild, which it's like a war a wartime beer where you're essentially just taking any scrap of any fermentable thing that you might have in your closet or in your brewery and making a beer out of it. And it's 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 just a it's a <laughs> weird awesome. recipe that you wouldn't make under the best conditions. But if you want to kind of t- have a little taste of what Justin check out their inspirations they got Go carton on. brewing in there the colonel from England carton brewing that's a that's pretty cool yeah that's so cool the, yeah the book um, we we featured more than 30 craft breweries half of uh, sorry half of them in North America half of them in Europe and uh, inside um, featured profiles of them and then recipes either contributed from inspired or inspired by the brewery so yeah you guys have a lot of cool stuff in here the colonel from london carton brewing uh hill farmstead from vermont which that also cafe from italy which is i think is a prison, it's a prison. prison. Brewery, yeah right? it's, it's prison. a prison with the most expensive beer coming out of italy <laughs> yeah, yeah and i went to that prison and yeah we went to i the, almost went to that prison a few years <laughs> it ago is, it's tough they, it's lo- tough. they lost the brewers they lost all of our brewers. documents oh, so no. we we're pretty much just standing at the guard booth saying Bira? <laughs> Bira? Uh, then we're st- we're just standing in the parking lot like for an hour thinking like okay we're just we're just going. We're we're driving back to our lovely little hotel in the countryside and we're just going to, you know, we're just going to sit there and have a wonderful day. And then like one of the brewers finally comes running out it's like hey 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 it's like come on come on. Uh, and that uh, was one of the most incredible experiences ever. Um, I really enjoy their beers but their story even more so. So it is um they, oh, yeah. It's a co-op program that they do in several different breweries um, where they teach inmates skills that they can use on the outside world. So one is uh, at a different brewery or at a different prison. They have a coffee roaster and mm-hmm. at another one they have a chocolate. Bi- yeah, a chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a bakery. Uh, and yeah. a bakery. bakery and yeah. this you've one, been there, Justin? No, I just know a lot about it because uh, I studied in Italy a few years ago and uh, met some people that were involved with it. It's a really cool project. And I used to drink their beer a lot, but I don't see it around very much anymore. I'm not sure why. It's really expensive, though. It, You're right, Jimmy. Yeah, no. It, Italian beers are expensive because... Because, A, they're com- coming from Italy, but also they have to be a much heavier glass for their export laws. So oh. it just weighs so much more. Yeah, I've heard a lot of different reasons about why <laughs> Italian beers are expensive and none of them I really buy. I think they just set the price really <laughs> yeah. high. You've got a couple, uh, a couple of Justin's buddies in there. you got Wicked Weed. Oh, yeah, i got a Wicked Strawberry Weed. Strawberry Rhubarb Strong Ale. How did, you, how did you come up with that recipe? 
You know, am I stumping you? <laughs> when did you write this book? <laughs> yeah, like two years uh, ago. Wicked yeah. Weed is a is a really is a really cool brewery. They do a lot of uh, great open open tank uh, fermented fruit beers. Uh, so we wanted to do something that was both really light, but so it's inspired by. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't go to every brewery. No, we went there. We you interviewed them. Oh, yeah, uh, you yeah, yeah Wicked, did. Wicked Weed. Yeah, every every brewery we visited and um, and spoken length with. Uh, but Wicked Weed is uh, is a really interesting story for looking at what's going on in beer today because there is a fair to say there's a lot of money in beer today uh there's a lot of investors coming out of the weeds to open breweries of various sorts uh so wicked weed actually has um some sham wow money uh in it and um i always forget what's that that? is that a new uh, is that a new scam or something it was the sham it's those cloths that like absorb a hundred times their weight so like it's always i I don't know state fairs and things where you can the sham wow money (laughs) yeah yeah. some investors and um so a lot of breweries we go to, and we're kind of um, we like a chamois claw. Yeah, yeah. But um, so most of the time we show up to, at a new brewery, and we expect something really small, like a pretty much a large like brewing system that they could have used at home that they're now trying to repurpose for commercial use. And when we got to Wicked Weed, which was only like a month old when we visited them, it was beautiful, and they had. Uh, open fermenter. They mm-hmm. had a beautiful restaurant, and we were like, "Oh, so this is this is what a new brewery is." Looks this really like how they days. got the money for the but, brewery? Uh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, that's one story. But too, yeah. like, it, it's always great when you have that story, and then you drink the beer, and you're like, "Oh, I okay, I don't care." Oh, it's amazing. I don't beer. care yeah. where the where the money yeah. came no. from. It's actually good beer because the you go to a lot of people aren't brewing. <laughs> you go to some breweries <laughs> that we right. probably shouldn't mention. That's a really dirty source of money. Right? No, clean money. It's been extremely clean. So it's always great when you just end up not caring about the backstory and you only. So you guys know the dirt on everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Pausa, you, you're making beer with prisoners. You're making beer with well, Pausa Cafe. You don't, ex- you don't expect to Titans. go to a brewery and actually like have your eyes water. Like we, we're we're standing there and talking to the the prisoner who helps brew this beer, and he's actually he's saying that like. I love doing this because when I see my beer like on the shelves somewhere, it actually in feels mind. in his like in his mind because he no, can't go out saying, there. <laughs> he like actually feels like he's not in prison. Yeah, like, so it's he's like, like a, when a I package bit of these him. beers up and send them to New York or send them around the world, he's like, it, it feels like I leave the brewery. Do they get to it. drink beer at, in the prison? They it's, actually make beer for the guards' bar. Yeah, which um, something that would not exist in the U.S. prison system. <laughs> I wonder, but I, I would think that if you were a prisoner in England, I mean, in in, in Italy, you might get a, ra- a ration of wine or beer or something. You might. You know, they didn't talk about that. No, no, but they do have soccer courts uh, or fields instead of basketball courts, which is something that we were uh, not that about. I, I would say it's not like a prison in, in America, but I I, I don't. I, did, I didn't. Really I didn't. First, of all, I didn't know about your second book. I'm glad you brought it on the show. <laughs> and what's the name of it again, Eric? Make some beer, small batch recipes from Brooklyn to Bamberg. And then I didn't realize you get to go to all these great places. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. It was our second book, but in a lot of ways, it was the one we started first um, because we fell in love with beer and we fell in love with visiting breweries and talking to brewers. And so if we were going to a wedding, we'd add on a couple of days so that we could check out the local breweries and interview and so this one took a whole lot longer than the first one, which was just us teaching people how to make beer and how to make our beer. Um, but it was really, it's the stories that inspire us and continue to inspire us. What's one more place that you went to when you made the book? One more place. Uh, well, I guess the, the one in the title, Bamberg, I uh, went to Schlenkerla. Stephen got to throw a log on the fire. Which I think I think we first had Shankarla in your bar many yes. many years ago, and it, it definitely changed our view of beer. And um, yeah, we got to throw a log on the fire. Uh, met the uh, the owner, who's a eighth generation brewer, and um, so family eighth and his uh, family. And you have this like super classic um, beer, like this Shankarla. If anyone hasn't hasn't had it, it's a it's a smoked beer. They they smoke their uh, grain while malting it. Uh, it takes it takes a very long time. They have the fire almost going all day. They do a nine-hour decoction mash. It is unlike anything wow. that you see here. They use one grain. Uh, it's a base malt that they malt themselves, and it, because of the way they do the mash, it's it's pretty dark. So they're um, smoking yeah. the grain themselves. So they're not buying smoked grain. No, exactly. No, they're the, they're only, the only people left. left. In Bamberg that and, still smoke their own grain. Yeah, and this is what beer tasted like like this is just 
that's what beer used to be, like everywhere. Every every brewery used to malt and uh, malt their own grain, and unless they were in the Middle East, where they have like natural sun, you know, heat, uh, you had to do it over over wood. And uh, he joked that like when the uh, basically the uh, in England the Industrial Revolution changed that, and he made a joke about in- English people liking the the coal smell of their of their beer. <laughs> <laughs> Every good German needs a good English joke. <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, so he has this really old brewery making, um, the most classic form of beer you could imagine. And yet he can control the whole thing with his iPhone. Well, wow. cause he figured that as long as it doesn't change the taste, I'm allowed to modernize. And, um, just, it just, it was just a, an incredible, incredible place to go. Bamberg is an amazing city. It's probably a little cleaner now than it used to be the beer, <laughs> right? I mean, beer used to be really infected and nasty. And, <laughs> I don't know. But who knows? I mean, this well, this is so cool, man. I, I really respect what you guys did with this book, and I'm definitely going to read it, and uh, we'll talk more about it with some of our guests. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're back with Justin Kennedy's back. He had a, a nice little girl. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> it's, it's, we missed you a lot, and I know you've been back for a couple of shows, but it's nice to have you on. Thank you. And we got some great Erica and, and Stephen Brooklyn. I want to call it Brooklyn Brew Kit, but it's Brooklyn Brew Shop. <laughs> but it is the brew kit that everyone knows. We get called Brooklyn Brew Kids a lot, although I might be an adult now. <laughs> You're still a kid. <laughs> but you, you guys did some cool things. You're on the, the, the Brew Dog TV show. But you also got to go. So you're, you're kind of like you're doing export. You're, you're a manufacturer of this beer kit. And tell us that you, you're dealing with U.S. agriculture now because you're, you're selling grains and, and, and hops, and you got to go to China. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, we just returned. It's kind of a huge thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we just returned uh, from uh, from China and Taiwan, uh, where we're actually exporting, uh, which is not, not a super common thing uh, when it comes to China uh, nowadays and, and American a- uh, agriculture. But, um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're working on helping kind of create a new generation of brewers in china and taiwan we're, we're currently sold in a few places in taiwan and um yeah we're looking to do a whole lot more there that's a it's a really uh incredible um very young scene right now so you guys are in shanghai in china and what kind of beer are they drinking there uh well shanghai is really interesting it has a big german influence um so polliner and uh Hofbrau. Hofbrau both have brew, like large brew halls there as well. Um, and so they kind of influenced the the loggers that were there to begin with, and then they've set up there. So a lot of the small breweries that are opening up now do have some German influence, but then there's a lot of uh, American expats and uh, Australian and Kiwis opening up little brew pubs as well. So they're producing more American style uh, and IPAs. Yeah, whereas with Taiwan uh, started their understanding of beer with more of a Belgian influence, and I don't know if that's necessarily related, but they uh, Taiwan is definitely uh, further ad- further advanced, uh, you could say, than uh, some of mainland China. Beijing does have a few um, a few popular uh, brew pubs, uh, Slow Boat and the. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn. But in, in Taiwan, you have... Uh, yep, Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah let's, talk, let's talk about like, Shanghai. So you guys were... You are at a big conference or expo? Yeah, we were at a big trade show. It's um, Seal, which and is... Like how, how many other exhibitors were there? Over 3,000. And, and what were they? Just all what type food. of business? Yeah, food so related. All yeah, food. All types um, of food. And it, it's a show that... Um, 
started in Paris and it's Seattle Paris and we did it in the fall and we won two innovation awards when we were there. So we won innovation in alcohol and innovation in retail and got some trophies, which was really cool. So you cool. guys were looking at what, selling to wholesalers or re- in China? You know, um, Directly to stores. And so we really, we really... I, care about the experience people have making beer at home and so we're going to pick the really cool bottle shops and connect with the kitchen stores and really make sure that whoever is carrying our product is really educated on it and can educate the people that are buying it because otherwise we don't want it just anywhere and people to go home and not have a good experience so if, if i'm visiting shanghai where can i go to get beer i can go to these beer halls some brew pubs but are there bottle shops or yeah, Any other like, um, kind of underground scenes? Yeah, it, Shanghai has... A very <laughs> underground scene. We actually got invited to a completely underground bottle shop. It was only on social media. You had to get an invitation. And when we were there, they had a lot of evil twin beers, uh, coincidentally. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry that I have all these Brooklyn beers for you. But he has kind of a network of his friends and good distributors and gets the best craft beer he can find. And then it's like a weekly invite and so you go and you sample this beer which was really incredible and we brought him some of our beers that we got to pour there that he was actually selling by the end of the night so that was fun uh, but it's a, is it a bar or like an illegal bar ping shanghai and it's uh you actually it's on the corner it's uh you have to go through a three foot tall door and walk down <laughs> some stairs and you got fit through there yeah. <laughs> no, I, I barely did and the you can only get the invitation through this wechat group yeah when she say, said social media it's not any social media that, that we use because once once you get there you realize oh right i heard that everything's blocked here but it's actually true yeah and uh, <laughs> and, and you can't really use anything except for wechat which yeah, is so uh, people, facebook twitter instagram none of it works in china they have really? all different social media oh. so we have a whole if lot you've of- ever seen a qr code and said who fell for that China. Uh, that's, how, that's actually the only way you can... It's the main way of connecting to people, oh, is you scan cool. each other's QR codes. Yeah, yeah and you uh, get and to have a little picture of, of yourself in the middle of it. There are tons kind of, of cool. Yeah, there are tons of like private craft beer groups that exist only on WeChat that people coordinate uh, what what beers they can find where, what like kind of container fell off the boat somewhere else uh, that that's in another place. Uh, it's really interesting to see how these networks... Um, Kind of, kind of grow and how people are getting into to beer. The 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 only like brew shop is in an American's uh, house. So uh, are the Shanghai beers right themselves now. illegal, or they're just not brought in by a importer or distributor? Uh, the, it's a mixed bag. Uh, yeah. I mean, there certainly are. You can certainly get lots of good beer. You're gonna if you go to if you go to China, you're mainly gonna see a lot of Evil Twin, a lot of Brewdog, Brooklyn Brewery. You're gonna see a few beers from Oregon. It's actually easier to get a beer from Oregon and China and Taiwan than it is in New York. Like what from Oregon? Uh, we saw a lot of uh, Caldera. Oh, yeah. uh, Taiwan Caldera is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> like six different beers on a on a draft list, and you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, ta- Taiwan. Uh, it's it's uh, quite interesting. Yepe is uh, related in a in a bar called Brooklyn, where we went there, and the manager actually had our book, and the people next to us were from Park Slope and had our <laughs> kit, uh, which I guess is what you can expect from going to a bar called Brooklyn. Um, but there's another bar called uh, Beer and Cheese Social House, which is fantastic. There's another bar. Actually, it's the only bar that we came across that is in Chinese characters. It's called Choyunshu, which uh, I'm probably butchering it, but it, it translates roughly to tasting room. And it was it was probably the only bar where it was primarily Chinese people, which we think is is really important um, right. that it's not just expats uh, that there is real a real movement there. And, yeah, um, and that's why our kids um, that were going to import into China they're in Mandarin and of uh, the. We have all our instructions now in Chinese characters because when you're brewing something or when you're cooking anything, it should be in your native language. It shouldn't be in translation because that just gets tricky. Yeah. But it was interesting because the um, the character for stir in traditional uh, Chinese lettering actually is car turnaround. And so the we were <laughs> sitting with someone in there. I was like, what is this character? And he's like, well, technically it's car turn around and so but that is stir and when we went to yeah it, it's uh it, it's pretty crazy uh but it's still a pretty small small group like when we went to choyansha we actually uh like posted a picture and and we got a response from the owner saying i met you at columbus circle 
like he actually was in Brooklyn uh, and in in New York City, uh, like talking about opening up a, a brewery in Taiwan, which he's now doing. Uh, so it's just crazy how the uh, circle of a uh, craft yeah. beer keeps wow. keeps turning. Yeah, it's a, it's a small group, even if it is worldwide. Well, I'm, I'm tired already. Went to China, Taiwan, and you're back. <laughs> yeah, and you wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. But, yeah, nothing compares to dumplings that come out to 12 cents each. Yes. <laughs> For breakfast. I like that. We had a, a few years ago, we actually we had a, some, someone from an American who had been brewing at a Shanghai brew pub on the show. We should look that show was up. Was it Boxing Cat Brewery? I don't know. I, J- I don't Jack can look it up. It was a long time ago. But uh, yeah. he, he was in the States, and he, he, he'd set up a brewery in, in uh, Shanghai. And also our friend James Todd. Talking about international breweries, James Todd, who's been on the show a lot, he, he, is a, he was a small investor in a brew pub in India, too. So, you know, it's a big world out there. Yeah, it, it turns out um, that... For, at least for for our kits, because they're uh, really small and made for stovetop brewing, is that we joke that people there's a love of beer in small kitchens worldwide, and so it's really fun to to go in and uh, meet brewers from around the world. Have you guys been to Cuba talking about changes? <laughs> Not, I bet if it was a couple of your kids, somebody could start a little home brewery in, in Havana or something. One gallon at a time. Has anyone done that? Have you heard about someone like running like kind of a, a home brewery in, in one of these countries with your kits? Not not quite like that. Um, we did go to one bar in Shanghai that was actually a bar uh, and a brew pub where he did just essentially make all of his beer in, in his studio and he had roughly a 10-gallon system. So yeah, that, that's yeah Jackie's a, Beer Nest, uh, which is a fantastic bar if uh, if you get to go. And there's great peanut dumplings around the corner, which are big soup dumplings um, in peanut sauce. And it was like you just go and say, "Dumplings, no soup." And we did it, and we got the dumplings, and they were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers to you guys! I'm so proud of you. So you got the beer making kits and your Brooklyn Brew Shop, and you got this great book. Um, you want a last question for these guys, Justin? Yeah, <clears throat> what can people expect? Like, they take this home, they make the beer. How long does it take to ferment? And, you know, what is the, what's, like, from start to finish, what's the time? Absolutely. Time so uh, the, the brew day itself takes about three and a half hours. Uh, you do the mash where you're just steeping the grain in hot water, strain it for the sparge, collect that liquid that's going to be your beer, boil it, add in hops, any spices. And then it ferments for four weeks, two weeks in the bottle where, or two weeks in the fermenter where it will turn into alcohol, and then two weeks in the bottle where it will carbonate naturally. Um, so in four weeks, you get to impress your friends with really delicious beer. Cool. What's the last beer that we have, Is Steve? Is it Chestnut Brown Ale? Steve, sorry. Yeah. Chestnut, <clears throat> Chestnut Brown? Yep. Chestnut Brown Ale comes about a 6% alcohol. Um, really great brown ale that you add chestnuts in towards the end of the mash, right? End of the boil. Oh, no, boil. Sorry, yeah. Um, so, and the, this is a recipe that you, you have a recipe for with your kits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, one of our first. Uh, we joke that it's our dad beer because dads love brown ales. And I have so many girlfriends that have bought the kit for Father's Day and brewed with their dads. I was like, this is my gift to you. I'm spending three and a half hours in the kitchen, and it's a bonding experience. So you guys, you brought also brought your publicist along. Yeah, yeah. Alex? Alex is awesome. She's a she's a beer-loving publicist. And what is she? She's trying to have you pitch something for Father's Day? Oh, uh, like... Dads, get get your dad a beer kit. <laughs> beer kit. <laughs> Is that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> and how do I get a beer kit besides uh, watching TV? Uh, BrooklynBrewShop.com. Uh, we ship everywhere. It's uh, free shipping for orders over $45. So pretty much a kit and any accessory, and you've got your Father's Day covered. I'll tell you, if, if you... Uh Justin Kennedy's a new dad. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had any interest in making beer. I love drinking it, but I've never, ever homebrewed. Uh, so maybe I'll start here. It'd be a good place for me. I love cooking, so yeah, know, good place for me to start. It impresses your friends more than like pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Would you guys do a, a kit giveaway on Twitter? Oh yeah, you guys. Okay, so if you go to our, our Twitter at beer underscore sessions, if you can uh, name the the beer that Steve Hindy his recipes in the book, you got to look <laughs> up the book, right? Make some beer. Small batch recipes from Brooklyn and Bear. If you can name the beer that's that's Steve Hindy's recipe, then you can get a free uh, kit from Brooklyn Brew Shop. That's Absolutely. a trick question, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think you could probably Google it, though. <laughs> Steve Hindy's recipe. 
And uh, that's I like to give challenging questions. They got to buy the book first, right? I, I don't know. Get a free it depends how how deep the Amazon Quick Look goes into it. If it goes through the content, or Google Books okay. has a <laughs> secret. Is it's it's it, it's it's the name. It's Steve Hindy something something. But it's one of the first kind of classic Brooklyn uh, brewery beers. So I bet you could come up with it. But all right. Did I just stump you guys? That's a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to talk about the book more than the kit because I'm really impressed. I I really think for, like, someone just learning about beer, it seems like a great survey. You've got different regions of of the world, styles of beer. You're going back to Schlenkel, smoked beers. And you got Ron Patterson talking about beer history. I still think he's one of the coolest guys. Oh, no, he's super cool. And so many people we met are super cool. Uh, so the like Bamberg does the traditional smoked beers, but Full Steam Down in North Carolina is doing a hickory smoked beer. Uh, Ranger mm-hmm. Creek in Texas is doing a mesquite smoked beer. They and actually both, turn a shipping container yeah. into a smoker. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's interesting to see, like, we used Shankarla kind of as a, a jumping off point for smoked beers, but, like, each region is doing in some way their own smoked beer. So, like, when we go down to full steam, they're all about making the, the quintessential southern beer. And they're like, what's southern? Uh, Barbecue. Mesquite. Yeah, and it's been particularly mesquite barbecue. Well, uh, for Texas. Sorry, no, no, sorry, North Hickory, 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 Hickory. Hickory. I, I apologize. But, uh, mesquite in Texas. Yeah, so in San Antonio, it's, it's mesquite. Let's get Steve. So, Steve, your worker, just tell us one more time. So, you work for Brooklyn Brew Shop. What, what, what is your job there? What do you actually do? Uh, I'm Office and Customer Relations Coordinator. So, I handle a lot of the uh, um, customer service stuff. I, uh, I also host tastings at the office, which is always great. Um, just generally helping out wherever needed and having a great time working at Brooklyn Brew Shop. Yeah, Steve's a certified Cicerone. Uh, he answers everyone's brewing questions. So you send an email that's like, my beer looks a little bit weird. Is this okay, Steve? It's going to be the guy that's like, yeah, that yep. looks pretty good. Don't worry about I'd it. Love just getting people through the brew days, you know, answering any kind of random questions that come in. That's, that's what I'm here for. I got one more tough question for you. A few years ago when we first met, you went to an event and you made a, a lobster shell beer. <laughs> yeah, so, lobster saison. So what what is it about putting lobster shells or oyster shells in beer? Like there's some history there. Yeah, there's a oyster stout. Um, it's going to be you know popular we, uh, in like in Ireland. That's where we first we first had our first. Uh, sorry, we had our first oyster stout in Dublin, and we uh, wanted to make kind of a version because Erica is from New England. A I grew up in the town next door to Jimmy's hometown. That's right. Massachusetts. So he, he better like lobster, too, even if he's a little skeptical of but why, it. But why, why would you put oyster... Why do they put oyster shells in? Why, why do they put... Lo, why would you put lobster shells in your beer? Uh, well, you can actually get some, like, really nice mineral flavors uh, from the lobster shell. So um, it, it's a pretty... It creates a pretty complex beer. You get... Um, so for the lobster saison, for example, we do... Uh, lobster shells. Uh, it's also a good excuse to cook a lobster. Uh, have a have a good old cookout, uh, as well as bay leaves and white peppercorns. And the lobster adds a really nice minerality to the beer, and the the uh, pepper and the bay leaves just make it just a really nice uh, fragrant, um, but still a beer. What, uh, do, what do you do with the shell? Do you, do you take the meat out? Do you clean them or you throw it in with meat on it? Oh yeah, no. Uh, eat the lobster first. Enjoy that. And then we clean up the shells, dry them in the oven, and then add them into the boil, which is really fun because you get to actually stir and pull out a claw. Kind of terrifying. <laughs> do you get amazing. any color from the lobster shell? Like, is no. It, no. No. It doesn't turn red or anything? <laughs> uh, that, it wouldn't be fun. You probably yeah. turn the, the lobster more, more white. Because I've seen some red uh, colored lobster ales and I always wondered about that. I think they're putting something in there to make they're, it red. Well, they're most likely not putting lobster. Okay. So it's, it's the only like thing they're not doing. Ale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, when you're talking about a lobster, you want to make a super dry beer so that you can actually taste the, the, the like the mineral nature of the shell right right so you, you really don't want to play with too many caramel malts you want to make it just really i like this brownie can i have a little more of it this I is sure. pretty good this is my favorite of the batch so far yep. Yay. i think we've all been really good yeah the, the cool part about beer is that it has such a long and varied history that pretty much anything you can think of throwing into beer somebody at one point in time did and so yeah there are traditionally oyster stouts there used to be chicken beer that i guess was good for you know when you had a cold but any we we do put a lot of food ingredients 
in our batches, um, but when you actually look at the history of beer, it's not that weird. So how can I order this? For, so if someone's going to order this for Father's Day for me, I want the brown, the brown ale kit. Yes. What is that listed under? Go to brooklynbrewshop.com and go to our beer making kit section and select the chestnut brown ale. All right. And, and I just, and on, you know, you guys are doing your own kind of home brewing and supporting the homebrew community. I want to give a big shout out. The New York City homebrew community now is really strong. There's, there's so many great chapters of homebrewers. And I know the first homebrew group, New York City Homebrewers Guild, started in our building in the East Village in uh, Burp Castle above Jimmy's number 43. And uh, just the other day, uh, a couple years ago, they got together in a group called Brunity, where they have all the New York City homebrew groups met, uh, you know, organized, as well as some shops like Bitter and Esther's and, and Brooklyn Homebrew Shop. And uh, they did a fundraiser for the East Village. But the quality of beer from the homebrewers is, is, is outstanding. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen that a lot, Justin. Yeah, it's gotten... I was talking to Josh uh, Bernstein on Sunday about... He just did a, a homebrew tour on Saturday, and he was saying how you know the level of beer in New York City overall has come up, but also homebrewers like you. He doesn't even vet his people anymore. He just knows that they're going to make really good beer when he takes his customers to uh, on a tour there. So I, you know, I think the quality of homebrew has definitely gone way up in the city lately. Yeah, keep keep riding the homebrew clubs, and and you, yeah. Justin, you're, you're going out to a, a festival in California. Yeah, I'm going out. Uh, to the Firestone Walker Invitational in a couple of weeks, and uh, just yeah, it's going to be a cool festival. They invite brewers from all over the world um, or all over the country, including Wicked Weed, and uh, I think this year uh, the Alchemist and Three Floyds and some other really cool breweries that are not available in California usually. So it should be a fun time. I'll report back when I get back in a few weeks. Yes. Yeah, go hiking, big all right. <laughs> and Firestone makes some okay. great beers too. We'll give a shout out. Oh, they out. do. They definitely. It's do, funny because yeah. they, they they were making big beers and they're and they're double jack, but they're Pivo Pills. Talk about styles. What do you guys think about? There's like kind of kind of hoppy pills, and, and have you had the Firestone Pivo Pills? Yeah, ha- Pivo Pills is great. We had um, the Opal last time we were we were out there, and yeah, that was we fantastic. just did the Easy Jack in a session IPA tasting mm. in the office the other day, which is totally delicious. Yeah, it's really good. They right. make they don't make a bad beer in my opinion. So well, have a great time out there, Justin. Thank you. And a, and a couple other closeouts. Uh, one thing's coming up again. July Good Beer Month uh, is will be its seventh year in in July. There's a lot of things going on. Check out goodbrewsteel dot com. There'll be a lot more information next month. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Erica, Steve, and Justin, and Steve and. Alex, for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy and Maggie Seiden, our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks, Jack. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.